Welcome to worship. Glad you're here. As we worship today, I would also invite you to be in prayer for our interfaith neighbors as their holy days are approaching with Passover, but are also already here for those who observe Ramadan. So please hold our interfaith siblings in your prayers. Also, it's not in the prayers of the people, so I'll ask you to kind of do this on your own. But hearing about the storms that are happening now in the Gulf Coast of the U.S. with fatalities and destruction, uh, please be praying for folk in Mississippi and the Gulf Coast as well. And I haven't heard the latest about uh, an explosion in a factory in Pennsylvania, but also a place where we can be uh, attending and praying. So we invite you to do that. This is the final Sunday in Lent, and there are lots of hints of the resurrection. And there is a passage we're going to hear this morning where Ezekiel has this vision of dry bones. Some of you maybe even know the song about the hip bone connected to the thigh bone. Oh, good. At least a couple people. So I would invite you into a bit of meditation this week. And a form of that is to take a short sentence and to emphasize a different word each time you let it pass through. So it's the question that the Lord asks, will these bones live? And you can inflect that four different ways. Will these bones live? Will these bones live? Will these bones live? And finally, will these bones live? Something to carry with us as we move from Lent into Holy Week. The worship folder, I think, will give you sufficient guidance along with our hymnal today. And uh, Lily is nearly full strength, so we're glad you are back with us. And Sylvia, you are in good voice, so... Thank you for leading us in our worship. And we have multiple readers today as well. So uh, I think all of these voices together will help us to worship. Grace to you and peace from God, whose spirit and whose speech call forth life, Jesus' resurrection and the life, and the spirit of God who breathes into these old tired bones that we may be church. I don't think you can blame the people surrounding Lazarus's tomb for temporarily forgetting that story about dry bones and that vision of them coming back. But people lived that story. That story for them was God's way of saying that even when things go to rack and ruin, God does not quit. But nevertheless, people are gathered around the opening of Lazarus's tomb expecting that that's the end, that God is done 
and Lazarus is most certainly four days done. Then it happens. Lazarus' lifeless limbs begin to knit back together. Cells begin to fire once again, and neurons and synapses reconnect. Lungs reinflate. And Lazarus, still swaddled, stumbles out of the tomb, probably more dazed and confused than anybody else in attendance. For now, Lazarus isn't done. And certainly God is not done. Lazarus proves to be a sign. John's gospel loves signs. And where does this sign point? Well, in the short run, it points to the cross. If you read ahead just a wee bit in John's gospel, you will discover that the religious authorities and the empire wanted Lazarus chucked back into the sepulcher he came from. For Jesus and his resurrecting antics, this is too much for an empire and the religious establishment to bear. And so that dragnet that has been tightening tightens even further. And as far as John is concerned, it's really the beginning of the end for Jesus' earthly life. But still, God is not done. Because the sign points a bit further to God's stubborn refusal to accept our verdict that God is done. Resurrection. Resurrection and the life. This is what Jesus declares himself to be. And it's striking to me anyway that as I read it, it wasn't Jesus saying he would provide resurrection and life, but he says he is it. That resurrected life, it has some particular characteristics that we get previews of. Again, if you read ahead a little bit, extra credit if you do. Because what does Lazarus do now that he's released from his funeral fetters? I love the joke that uh, Professor Joy J. Moore tells about this in the Working Preacher podcast. She says, Lazarus doesn't take this as opportunity to earn more money and work on his golf game. But something else happens. We find Lazarus, his sisters, and Jesus back at home in Bethany. And they're at table, as is the custom, as people recline for meal. Lazarus literally leans into the presence and person of Jesus and their deep abiding friendship that is so telegraphed in the scripture we heard today is continuing, but not as business as usual, but in a new and resurrected way. And that's the sign that John would like us to heed that as we approach Lent, Holy Week, and Easter, and the realization that God is not done, that this resurrection life, it's for us too. In case you don't make it next week, a couple of spoiler alerts. 
Lazarus dies again. You're not shocked. His sisters die again. All of the witnesses to Lazarus being raised, dead. Jesus, soon to be. It's our fate too. I think it's the church's fate at some points. Institutions we think that will last forever, they die. But as the spirituals so defiantly sing and declare, Sunday's coming. God is not done. Resurrection will happen. So as real as all of the death is, resurrection is more real still. And so, God who has this vision of nations being raised up from boneyards is not done. God enfleshed in Jesus who calls Lazarus back from the grave is not done. God is not done with us either. And as messy as the world is, God's not done with it either. For God so loved the world. And so God who promises us resurrection, promises resurrection for all creation. God promises the restoration of all things. Shall these bones live? Ezekiel would say, God alone knows. And I think we can say, God alone knows and knows how and promises to see to it.